Today we are in the last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22. That's the last chapter. And I think by next Wednesday, we should be able to complete uh, this chapter. That means we'll be completing this book of Revelation. Now, what comes to your mind when you think of heaven? Uh, how, you, how do you imagine what do you want in heaven? And why do you call it as heaven? Uh, John has an idea. What is your idea about heaven? So that's the reason people have given titles like Eden Restored or the New Paradise. That's the way they've titled uh, this, this chapter, initial uh, six verses. Um, let's see that how we can understand uh, John's description of paradise. So the first verse says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, why do you think the angel showed John the river of the water of life? What's the reason? Because when you think of heaven, what is that one image that comes to your mind? What you would like to see in heaven? Yes, apart from God, what you would like to see in heaven? Jesus. Hi, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, God the Father. Uh, sister, uh, Ruby John has read the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, yes, Trinitarian God. God is always Trinitarian, apart from that. Angels. Angels, okay. The Garden Angel. of Eden. Garden of Eden, yes. Like in Genesis 2, it has water, it has river. So maybe to symbolize that. Okay, okay. All the, all the answers are, you know, we can always expect. And um, something so beautiful, which we cannot imagine. So beautiful. A place yes. of joy. Place of joy. Thank you, sister. Uh, you know, um, we all can imagine uh, you know, God always satisfies our desires when we go there. Uh, but uh, when we are looking at John, uh, John is so well-versed with the Old Testament. In fact, all through this book, we have never seen him going out of the Old Testament. All the references, the symbols and symbolism that you see in this book, they all have some kind of references to the Old Testament, prophetic books. So John, here also, he's going back to the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, the biblical images of water flowing from the future Zion. That's a very standard um, notion in the Old Testament that um, living waters would flow from Jerusalem in the age to come. And that's the reason uh, we have seen the psalm in one of the sermons uh, in Psalm 46. 
Even the psalmist says, river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. I said when the psalmist wrote this uh, verse, there was no river in, in Jerusalem. Uh, till King Ezekiah dug those tunnels, there was no river. But that's, that's their understanding. The new Jerusalem, the rivers will flow and make glad the city of God. That's the understanding they have. Uh, of course, somebody said, uh, we have rivers in Genesis chapter 2. When we read that, it is Eden restored so we can find the rivers of um, paradise. So all these references, they give some kind of background for the image here, because we cannot understand this, um, this book without understanding the Old Testament. Otherwise, we will be, we'll be coming with our own uh, explanations. Uh, but for John, he's so well-versed with the Old Testament. So he keeps going back to the Old Testament. Now, the immediate reference, of course, could be to the, uh, to the New Jerusalem's temple. Uh, if you are a little well-versed with Ezekiel chapter 47, at least sometimes you would have heard a sermon on Ezekiel chapter 47. They will say, you know, the water was just flowing from the threshold. Then it was ankle deep. Then it was knee deep up to the waist and a river that no one could cross. So all this gives background. And that is the reason the angel showed John the river of the water of life. In fact, John is expecting this. If you ask David, he's expecting a river should flow in New Jerusalem. So that's the expectations. And according to John's expectations, uh, the angel showed John the river of the water of life. The river also shows some kind of uh, the you know it's it's abundance boundless supply uh, where there is a river uh, you don't find poverty uh, and if you come from an agrarian society an agricultural society uh, if you say there is river people will be so happy that they can go and grow something in that land so it shows about the boundless supply in fact in new heaven uh, there'll be no shortage, no poverty, no lack of food, no famine. Uh, that's, that's the kind of image. Everything will be plenty, green, fresh. Uh, that's the image John has of heaven. And that's what we find in the, not only in the book of Psalm or Ezekiel, even in the other prophetic books, we find the reference to, a, you know, living water will flow out from Jerusalem. For example, in Joel 3.18, in that day, the mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravens of Judah will run with water. A mountain, a fountain will flow out of the Lord's house. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Acacias. Uh, you will find a footnote, valley of sitting. That's written as the Valley of Acacias. And then you have in Zechariah 14.8, on that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it east to the Dead Sea and half of it west to the Mediterranean Sea in summer and in winter. 
Now, all strong cities must have their own water supply. I said, if you see the history, all the ancient cities, they were founded by the side of a river. Uh, probably the exception is Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem couldn't boast of a river and uh, God was their river. Uh, that's the only city. Uh, whereas in the new Jerusalem, they all expect there'll be a, enough water supply and it'll be an eternal supply, not only for a season, for all through they'll have enough of water supply. Uh, and of course, we have already seen in Genesis chapter 2 uh, about the river, and we can also connect this verse with Genesis chapter 2, because when we come to the next verse, the reference is to the tree of life. Because the next verse speaks about the tree of life, we can say probably it's connecting with Genesis chapter 2, where Genesis chapter 2.10 says, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. And if you go just a verse about this, in chapter 2, verse 9, we will find the tree of life. And when we come to Revelation chapter 22, verse 2, we find the tree of life. So we can connect it. So all these images give a background to this place. Ultimately, it's the culmination, the culmination of uh, God's rule, uh, God's kingdom. The consummation of kingdom of God will take place. Now we go to the next verse. Um, Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. I said, because there is tree of life and the earlier river, can connect that verse with Genesis chapter 2, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And Genesis 2, 9 says, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden where the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. <clears throat> so basically, it uh, helps us to, it brings memories of Garden of Eden, and it's talking about yielding 12 crops of fruit. <clears throat> uh, here it says bearing 12 crops of fruit. So when, when, the, when Jewish people, when they meditated and when they wrote about paradise, uh, for them, paradise literally meant a garden. Uh, I don't know for urbanites like us, what comes to our mind. Uh, for them, it's all about a garden. When you come from an agrarian society, a garden is a special place. Uh, so when they thought about paradise, when they wrote about paradise, uh, invariably we find images of <clears throat> rivers and fruitful trees. Uh, that's the image. Uh, that's the image that we see in, uh, regularly in Jewish uh, writings. <clears throat> now, here we have the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. In other words, this fruit, this tree will not be a seasonal tree. You know, when Jesus was looking for some fruit to eat from the fig tree, and then we find in the Gospel of Mark, 
um, you know, there was no fruit uh, because it was not the season for figs. But when we come to the tree of life, every month, every month there'll be fruit bearing 12 crops of fruit. And as I said, uh, it again has reference to Ezekiel chapter 47, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. <clears throat> now, here, while John is writing, he's only talking about one tree of life. He's not talking about 12 trees of life, but he's talking about one tree of life. Uh, whereas in Ezekiel, it is fruit trees of all kinds. So we shouldn't get into much detail because that if we get into details, we'll go wrong, but we should try to understand the meaning of this verse. Basically, John probably has in his mind, Jesus is the source of life. The tree of life, uh, it probably denotes Jesus. He is the source of life, one source of eternal life, and that is Jesus. <clears throat> now, what is interesting is, you know, Ezekiel leaves here, they are leaves for healing. But John adds something to this, and he says, healing of the nations. You know, heaven will be colorful. People from all nations, all tribes, all language group. If we don't know how to live with people of different language group here, we will find it very difficult to live in heaven because heaven will be um, healing of the nations. Uh, it is not only a one particular group. It's people of all languages, all nations, all uh, ethnicity. Probably uh, <clears throat> it is the gospel which can bring about healing to all the nations. Uh, if, you, if you see all the nations in this world, and if you see what's happening, uh, the kind of discrimination, uh, it may be very, very few countries where you may not find that kind of discrimination, but you, uh, discrimination is there. It's prevalent uh, everywhere. Uh, if people say America is a Russian Christian country, absolutely, if you go and see the discrimination that is there in that country, um, how African Americans are being discriminated, uh, you can never call that as a Christian country. A Christian country is one where people are not discriminated. Uh, so heaven is a place where the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And it is only gospel that can break those barriers. The culture will always have more and more barriers. It is only the good news of Jesus because Jesus crossed Jerusalem and went to Samaria and when he, went the, when he met the woman at the well in Samaria, he crossed all the boundaries, whether you're talking about language, ethnicity, geographical boundary, he crossed every barrier, uh, gender barrier, 
because a Jew was not supposed to talk to your woman, but to a Samaritan woman. And Jesus spoke and Jesus crossed all the barriers. And it is only gospel which can penetrate this culture and it can break all those barriers. And heaven will be a place uh, where all these barriers will be overcome. And it's for people who overcome those barriers right here in this world. So we, it is the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. We go to the next verse, which says, um, <clears throat> this I have told God's end time community includes people from all nations grafted into his city. Uh, we go to the next verse. No longer will there be any curse. Uh, the throne of God and of the lamp will be in the city. The throne of God and of the lamp will be in the city and his servants will serve him. <clears throat> in Genesis 3.22, we have a verse. <clears throat> and the Lord God said, the man has not become like one of us, knowing good and evil, <clears throat> because he ate from the tree of knowledge. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Right now we are talking about the tree of life in the book of in Revelation chapter 22. So my question is, why did God not allow Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life? Why did God not allow Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life? Because the Bible says they would eat and they will live forever in their sinful condition. Yes, Pastor. That's, yeah, that's the perfect answer. You know, God's idea, even before the foundations of the earth were laid, is to provide for redemption. And <clears throat> God is such a loving God. If, God. if God had allowed Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life, they will remain in this sinful condition forever and ever, and there was no possibility for redemption. It is not that God was jealous that they live forever and ever, but God's focus, that's, that's, the Bible is, has one message. It's about revelation. It's about redemption, uh, you know, restoration of sinful people. And God knew these people will commit sin, but if he had allowed them to eat from the tree of life, then in that sinful condition, <clears throat> they will live forever and ever. That means sin will remain forever and ever. Uh, that's the reason why God uh, did not allow Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life, whereas for redeemed people, it's fine to eat from the tree of life. In heaven, when the new heaven or in the new earth or in the paradise, uh, when we see God face to face, it will be okay to eat from the tree of life for the redeemed people. But for the unredeemed people, if they in Genesis chapter 3, if they had eaten from the tree of life, uh, they had committed sin by eating from the tree of knowledge because they have become like God knowing what is good and bad. And now if they had eaten from the tree of life, 
they would have remained in that sinful condition forever and ever. And that's the only reason why God did not allow Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life. But in the new heaven and the earth, God will allow us to eat from the tree of uh, life. Because now that redemption has been accomplished, it is safe to eat from the tree of life. Uh, that was God's plan. Now, it says no longer will there be any curse. After all, it's a new heaven. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, there was curse, but in new heaven, there'll be no curse. The throne of God and, the and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. What is meant by his servants will serve him? What kind of service we will be doing in heaven? No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. So Ruby has put us praise. Praise, yes. Uh, it is, uh, <clears throat> the meaning of this word serve is praise. Uh, I think she meant worship. Uh, that's the meaning of the word. When we say his servants will serve him, it is basically will worship him. Uh, because we, the Greek word that we find here, we also see in Revelation chapter 7, 15, latrio, that's the Greek word that is used here. And it is the same word that is used here. And here in Revelation 7, 15, it says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And in this place, it's very clear, they will worship him day and night in his temple. So here also, it means that they will worship him uh, in this new city. We go to the next verse, Revelation 22, 4. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Uh, it's a very interesting verse. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Now, God's once hidden face will now be fully disclosed to his people. How do you visualize the statement? What do you think? God will be fair, tall. What's... Is it okay to just imagine or it is wrong even to imagine? So because we will see God face to face. So what kind of image comes to you? Yes. What kind of image comes to your mind? Of course. So Ruby has written bright light. Bright light. Yeah. Maybe seeing his face means we get to maybe know him a little more, like than than we know right now. Uh, Asha, so, how do you explain that? We will know him a little more. How? As in, we know him only little from the word that he has revealed, how much ever he has revealed. 
maybe seeing him face to face means that we get to actually understand so you mean to say we will not see him face to face physically i don't know i can yeah, only think that, that it looks some light i mean godly be light yeah that's what i'm trying to find yes yeah but have you yes i'm just i've written this question have you ever considered this possibility when we go to heaven when we when we read that we will see god face to face how do we understand that um we can say i went and i saw him i met him uh, it's understood that he has seen that person but when we are talking about god is it the same uh, meaning or is it something different it's good for all of us to think this is the last chapter in the book of revelation so it's okay just to share our thoughts uh, because then we'll be able to see pastor will everything look blue and crystal clear everything will look crystal clear then when do we say we have seen god face to face he everything will revolve around him so where do we point of this is god we will be able to see him maybe we will see the see jesus is the full expression of god uh, you know in the human flesh you know in his nature his character um, maybe we see the, uh, in christ the fullness of god christ the fullness of god yes you now it's a good time for all of us to think because um, the bible says god is spirit so can we see spirit jesus can this is just for us to just think uh, just for all of us to think uh, because the bible says god is spirit can we see spirit spirit being in the flesh we cannot maybe in the redeemed body we can see the spirit we can see the spirit we see god god okay redeemed yeah. redeemed faith in heaven Yeah, it's good. All of your answers are nice. Uh, Sharon uh, Pramod has written his glory. His glory. No, when you say his glory, you should explain because otherwise it will remain only as his glory. Uh, what do you mean by glory? How how do you explain that glory? Because otherwise we will see his glory. So what is his glory? Beauty. God beauty beauty maybe that he's seated on the throne he's seated on the throne there'll be a chair from sharon from yeah. all the like resurrected body resurrected body uh, there okay. because he's seated on the throne there'll be a huge chair yeah he's sitting on that yeah it's nice it's nice to imagine you know, this book is full of imaginations 
So it's good to imagine. Okay. So we are seeing Jesus. It's not clear if you can just uh, get closer. And judge. Judge. That means he'll be having some uh, judge's costume, dress. Judge. How do we say he's a judge? But the, but the Bible says that uh, God is spirit. Yeah, God is spirit. We cannot see. Even, even Jesus testifies that, says that uh, in John 4, 24, it says God is spirit. God is spirit. I don't think we can, we can see spirit. Yeah, the, yeah this, is, this is an aspect generally we don't give much attention. So that's the reason why I just wanted all of us to think What's meant by that they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And, uh, and the yeah, yes, Pastor. Faith will radiate, radiate like Moses after seeing God's power. Radiate like Moses. Yes, we'll see all that. Uh, because God, it says that before that in verse 3, we saw that his servants will serve him. It means they'll worship him. And they will see his face, and that's what they will first worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Uh, and then we go back to the Old Testament and see what uh, what does it mean. In Exodus 23, 30, 33, 20, the Lord said, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And live. That is Exodus 33.20. We come to the New Testament. John 1.18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And um, John, again, uh, writing his epistles. In 1 John 4.12, he says, No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So all that we can, we can also ask this question in a different way. Uh, instead of framing it like this, we can frame it in the other way and say that what will happen when we see God's face? Maybe uh, what will happen when we see God's face? Maybe that may give us some clue. Um, to that question. Uh, the traditional Jewish understanding is uh, in the end time, they will be able to see God, God's face or they may be able to see God's face after death. That is the traditional Jewish understanding. Uh, whereas in the book of Revelation, we saw that, uh, you know, just seeing God's face banish the old earth and heavens. Because if you remember, uh, in the earlier chapters we have seen, when God, when seeing God's face, the creation, creation just disappeared. In other words, creation couldn't stand. So what will happen when we see God's face? Seeing God's face banished the old earth and heavens. And there was a new creation. The presence of God brought in a new creation 
that's what we saw in chapter 21 and 1. And God's children will live with him. That's, that's what we saw in 21 verse 3. We will see his face and its glory. We will see his face and its glory. Uh, that's what we are seeing right now in verses 4 and 5. And then because there is light, it will just remove the darkness. It will obliterate the night. There will be no night because there will be so much of light. That's what we will see in uh, 25 and 22.5. We will see all that. uh the you know god's face will shine on god's people uh probably this gives us an understanding because when we when we see the old testament the aaronic uh, benediction uh, may the lord's face shine on you and when that's basically it shows god's favor uh, we are talking about favor and in this world what you are talking about favor we will be able to experience uh, that uh, to infinite times whatever we experience god's presence now we will experience that to infinite times so that's what we can imagine that's the kind of glory we will see whatever we experience it now um, so that's where they write we see god's face to face you know sometimes we don't we have that experience we we felt god's presence we we felt as the god was there so we multiply that to infinite times so that will be so clear god's presence uh when moses saw god uh, god's glory he reflected it uh, that we can find in exodus chapter 34 verse 30 it'll say that you know moses reflected god's glory and then we can see that you know that those kinds of uh, impressions give us that experience that we have seen god face to face but we also have something in matthew chapter 5 verse 8 in the attitude jesus said blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god now many people in the past they have wrestled with this verse what does it mean to see god face to face blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god you know one such person was augustine uh, he has written his meditation about this verse in his book the city of god uh, he says when you when you see god you will just keep gazing upon his beauty you will just be awestruck you will stand in awe of him and he says it is not that you see with your naked eyes he says you will be able to see god with the eyes of the heart heart he says in the redeemed body the heart will be able to see the realities that are immaterial uh, right now we cannot see the redeemed body will have those um capacity to see things which are immaterial and that's what augustine says that you know blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god uh, like asha was telling that the level of comprehension and understanding god will be so high 
that we don't we will be very sure that we have seen god and that's that experience helps us to say that we are near god we know god and we'll be rejoicing in god all at the same time it's you know being it's it'll all happen simultaneously uh, being near god <clears throat> now john's meaning in this particular verse is not only that we'll be able to see him and our eyes of the heart will see him as agustin says it is much beyond that you know when somebody says i saw the king uh, he it is not that the king was going on in his uh, in his chariot he was going on the street he saw him he is not telling uh, that um you know uh, basically he says i had an audience with the king when he had an audience with the king he he will come and say i saw king you know uh, if you know little bit of hindi it's interesting i still remember uh, my director generally used to tell me that you know the constables will come to me and they they'll tell their problems and he says i listen to them but they'll go out and say the sunai nahi hua so he said it took long time for me to understand what these people mean by sunai nahi hua uh, i have not been heard that's what uh, then he said i understood when they come and when they tell their problems and if the problems are not resolved according to their expectations they go out and say mera sunai nahi hua you know he, i was not heard so here the understanding is that we will have that that experience of seeing god face to face that's the kind of experience we will have and that is what john is uh, mentioning in this uh, chapter uh, because is john is talking about god's presence uh, his presence will be so close and we will be able to enjoy that relationship uh, with god and he says uh, we will have his name on our foreheads a uh, name will be on their foreheads if you remember that verse so god will be able to see us as his children uh, because our name will be on our foreheads um, so that that's the kind of experience and the, the, you know uh, john is saying about joy uh, you know the, there's a old saying that in heaven everyone's cup of joy will be full everyone's cup of joy will be full but some cups will be larger than others it's interesting uh so we should try to make our cups bigger right here our cups will be full because with god everybody will have satisfaction but it will overflow also but the size of the cup will vary and that depends on what we do here right now in this world uh, the degree to which we shall be able to see god 
will depend in part on the perfecting of our spiritual vision here and now. This is not a life that is wasted. This is the place where we prepare ourselves to meet our God face to face. And whatever we do here, it will never go in vain. That's where we have the struggle, the desires of the world and our desires to see God. And if we get focused, our cup will become larger and we will never regret uh, the little time we spend here. If we keep our cup bigger uh, for eternity, we will never, never regret. That's why the Bible says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace. Whatever means are there, if there is any way, you know, there's some means to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ, don't uh, waste that opportunity. Little by little, let, uh, let us grow the, because our cup will become larger and for eternity we'll have a big cup and we'll be enjoying it. And that's the reason why we should make progress in our Christian life right here, right here, not after death. Right here, we should make progress. And the greater capacity we have to experience God's uh, power and his presence in this world, uh, then we will really enjoy that. That's the reason Paul says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. And Paul's, uh, last Sunday I said that, Paul's entire prayer for his believers is that they may know God more and more. They may know his love more and more. Not that they may have, you know, heal them, give them money, give them promotion. That was not Paul's prayer. People were facing persecution. People's property were being, you know, confiscated. He is not praying for all this. He is saying, um, you know, I keep praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And Paul, even today, in this midst of COVID-19, that will be his prayer for us. We should know God more and more. Because Paul, he understands. If you know him more and more, what that means in eternity. That's the reason in Hebrew, uh, when we read in Hebrews 12, 14, it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's not about religiosity. It's not at all about religious. It's about the gospel, what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it is that cross that should transform our hearts. And uh, John, in his epistle, he says, 1 John 3, 2 to 3, he says, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when Christ appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure so that is an important aspect uh, in this world uh, then we go to the next verse. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. You know, it is not only God shining that light, 
and as children of god even our faces will shine god's glory we saw that you know moses face was shining uh, that's what we find in daniel chapter 12 3 those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars for ever and ever there is a kind of light luminosity that we will experience in the new heavens so now it is very important for us to understand this as we study this book of the revelation god's perfect dwelling will be with us uh, for you are the temple of the living god so we will enjoy the intimacy of the most holy place with him forever because god will be with us in that place if this is true that we will be spending our eternity with god then we should desire him strongly and that desire and that intimacy is now available to you and me in prayer prayer is not a waste of time prayer is not for asking for only for things prayer is all about knowing god and seeking his face and the more we do it here uh, it'll all reward uh, it'll we'll receive the reward uh, in eternity as we seek his face that's why love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength uh, in concrete terms it's all about uh, it is like you know the psalmist says uh, i desire i thirst for you god my whole being longs for you uh in a dry and barren land where there is no water that is david's experience that's why he was called as a man after god's own heart and god should give us god should give me and god should give all of us that kind of thirst and hunger to know him more and more and uh, when we hunger for him more and more and we will be satisfied when we see him face to face so with this we complete one section and then we come to the next section in this chapter we can talk about john and the angel or we can call it as final announcement uh, you know this in this section we have the final testimonies from god the lamb the spirit the bride the prophets who speak to the bride for the spirit uh, you know it is it's god's revelation to john that's what we see we see in this verse 6 the angel said to me these words are trustworthy and true they are trustworthy and true the lord the god who inspires the prophet basically saying the spirit of the lord it is like thus says the lord the lord the god who inspires the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place it is interesting you know john is just he mentioned this in when he began the book when he began the letter we saw this in revelation 11 the revelation from jesus christ 
which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. And that's what it's here, to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. He sent his angel. He's just repeating what he wrote in Revelation chapter 1, 1. He's repeating that. He's coming to the close of the book. And this is uh, John's way of writing that these words are trustworthy and true. We should take it seriously. Uh, then we go to the next verse, 22.7. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy uh, written in this scroll. Now, in the beginning, he said, those who read this book aloud will be rewarded. And those who keep these words, these are trustworthy. This is another beatitude. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. Looking forward to his coming. And uh, we should watch our deeds, our thoughts, our attitudes, so that we will be blessed. And then we go to the next two verses. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. Remember, we have not come across the name John after chapter one. He has never mentioned his name. Now he's coming towards the end of the letter. He's telling that, you know, he's saying that this letter is coming to an end and it is John's way of writing. I, John, am the one I have heard, I have seen who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me, them to me. John is the one who has spent his life with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. So the glory, he has seen the resurrected Jesus. Probably the angel's glory must be so high so he fell down to worship at the feet of the angel. But the angel said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. Worship God. Apart from God, no one, no one is to be worshipped. And for the, you know, for the, after in chapter one, Probably in verses one, four, nine, three times he mentions his name John. After that, this is the this is now he's saying, I John. And that is a style of writing. I have heard, I have seen. And that, that's the way he wrote the gospel also, gospel according to John. And when he comes towards the end of the gospel, he says, The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. And that is the very same language that he's using here. And he's telling them the angel has asked him not to worship him. Probably if we read the letters to Ephesians and Galatians, we feel that some Jewish Christians in Asia Minor, if you read those letters, we see that they gave an important role to angels. There are angels, but 
there we should be careful to give angels the place that is due to them and we should not lift angels to the level of god and um, if people think that they can worship angels here he says uh, he's setting it right but he said to me the angel said to me don't do that i am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll worship god so we go to the next verse that's verse 10 we are coming to the end then he told me do not seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll because the time is near you know when we read the book of daniel daniel was specifically asked to seal up his words until the end time so by john saying that do not seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll it it means that things have started moving it is not meant for a time that will come uh, the kingdom of god has already come not yet come so in other words god will come back and it will end but in between the kingdom of god is advancing it's advancing towards consummation of the kingdom of god so the revelation must remain unseal do not seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll uh, because the events have already begun it has already begun and so it will come to an end it is not something that we should keep sitting and watching rather we should watch and wait for the second coming of god he can come at any time that's and the next verse it says let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong let the wild person continue to be wild let the in other words let the wicked person continue to be wicked let the one who does right continue to do right and let the holy person continue to be holy um we should not read this as as though god says let the wicked be like that it is in fact this is a kind of a rhetorical language uh, when people read it's a reminder for them you better leave your wicked way and repent uh, now is the time any time any time not tomorrow today today so don't continue in your wickedness repent and start doing the right things and uh, that's what in daniel 12:10 we see many will be purified made spotless and refined but the wicked will continue to be wicked none of the wicked will understand but those who are wise will understand that's the language that you find in uh, we find in revelation chapter 22 uh, god is inviting everybody you know the leaves we saw the tree of life the leaves will be for the healing of many nations god is not concerned about a small group of people god is concerned about everyone in this world and the invitation is for everyone to come and to accept jesus as their uh, personal savior so today i have completed 11 verses so i think by uh, next next wednesday we should be able to uh, complete this uh, chapter uh, then i intend uh, 
doing wisdom literature. Uh, probably I'll start with Proverbs, then in between do some Psalms and keep changing like that. Because the Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom. And we have you know, a big corpus of wisdom literature in the Old Testament. Probably we have not mined these books. In other words, we have not read these books uh, in depth. Uh, some of you could have read this book. Some of you may be reading the book of Proverbs every day. Uh, but can we try to gain some wisdom? Because in our practical life, uh, this wisdom helps us uh, to navigate through difficult situations. When we are faced with tough situations, probably the wisdom literature helps us to a great extent. So keeping the practicality in mind, I thought uh, after I finish this book of Revelation, I'll start with book of um, Proverbs. Okay, if you have any questions, any suggestions, Uh, so you should uh, you should consider writing this into a small booklet pass for the whole notes. Oh. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could even add or edit, and you know you could uh, it'll help a lot of us. Yes. So it's a very balanced uh, interpretation of the Book of Revelation. So it'll help a lot of people not only now but for you now until Christ comes. Yes, Pastor. Good suggestion. Keep in mind. Uh, others are okay with the book of Proverbs or? Are you all okay? Yes, are Pastor. You... Yes, yeah. Pastor. Yes, Pastor. Okay. Okay, good. That, that means we'll start with uh, Revelation because probably some of uh, some or two or three have uh, attended my studies on Revelation, but maybe um, in the Bible study, two or three of them have attended, but we'll revise that. Even Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs. Proverbs. Yeah, we'll revise it and it'll be helpful. No questions about the new heavens? Seeing God face yes, to face. Pastor. We will wait and see, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor, can you say closing prayer? Okay. Okay, Pastor, somebody was asking something. Yes, uh, Pastor. Ah, the other yes. day you were talking about three heavens. The lowermost is where the birds fly. The center is where there is water. And on the top is the new heaven. Is it true? I, I, I never spoke about three heavens. I said, is this the, because Paul says I, I was caught up to the third heavens. Oh. Uh, but the understanding is people have this atmosphere and there's a higher place and the higher, you know, that's why you know, the God, um, you know, God is seated above all the heavens, heavenly realms. We, when we talk about the evil forces, uh, the evil forces also have a realm 
I, I, I didn't. Uh, I, didn't I misunderstood. Into, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get into those uh, division of heavens. Paul says I was caught up to the third heavens. Uh, but I said in the Jewish understanding, uh, they have these categories of uh, the realms of heaven, uh, the atmosphere, then say, then the next, then the next, and uh, where you know, the evil forces also move. And that's where when we see that God is seated above the heavenly realms, so it only says that God's authority over all the forces, it's not the evil forces are equal to God, they are subordinate to God. Thank you. Let's, let's pray. Yes, Master. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for helping us to be in your presence to study, Lord, your word. What a beautiful, Father, ending, Lord, the world is going to have. Father, when we, Lord, are able to see you, meet you, be with you, and see you face to face. Father, we don't know the full implications of what it's going to be. But we know, Lord, it's be a, it'll be a glorious one because, uh, Lord, your light will shine. Master, your glory will shine. Your love, Lord, will be able to see the fullness of your love. Father Paul said in the book of Ephesians, oh God, for an ages to come, Father, we will only be understanding the grace that was showered upon us, so Father. Lord God, we thank you also for telling us very clearly, Lord Master, when he that is holy, let him be holy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Help us to search our own hearts, yield ourselves step by step, day after day, situation to situation to Lord to overcome every temptation to, to cast aside Lord everything that hinders our race Lord to put to death the deeds of our body through your spirit so that Lord Master we will be prepared to meet you face to face one day thank you for pastor who has taken so much of effort Lord God to prepare these studies to teach us Lord week after week Father we pray that you would continue to anoint him and use him even as he plans, Lord, Master, Savior, the Proverbs and the Psalms, you would anoint him and use him. Lord, even this, uh, Lord, study on Revelation, you'll be able to write it into a small booklet or a book of God, Master, it will benefit us and benefit so many people because it contains so much of balanced interpretation of your precious word. Father, we commit him, we commit this day, we commit all ourselves, continue to protect us and shield us. We pray for those who are struggling, suffering with this coronavirus, oh God, Father, from mild to moderate to severe, we pray that your healing virtue will flow through your people's bodies. Heal them and let their suffering end soon. And let your Lord Master, let your uh, work of God continue to flourish in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.